So you're all good today? It's good to see you all. Yeah, so I, I'm going to take you on a journey this morning. And we're going to climb up to the Mount of Transfiguration. So I hope you've got your hiking boots on because it's a high mountain. But when we get to the top, we will experience something so wonderful that it'll take our breath away. Are you coming? Yeah. Amen. Are you ready? So this morning, we're going to learn what it means to get out of the way. You may remember when my husband spoke a few weeks ago on preparing the way of the Lord. He also spoke of how there are times when we actually need to get out of the way. Just as John the Baptist did. You know the story well. When Jesus came on the scene, he'd been preparing the way of the Lord. And then Jesus came on the scene and he got out of the scene. You remember that story. Uh, our mandate now in this season is also to be preparers of the way. And then get out of the way. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to do what only He can do. There are things that only Holy Spirit can do. doesn't matter how eloquent we are. There are things that we can't do that, that only Holy Spirit can do. Do you agree with that? As we partner with Him, though, it's wonderful that we can partner with Him. So we're going to talk about the Mount of Transfiguration. My little granddaughter, Karis, drew this this morning. It was on the screen there. And look, she drew, isn't that, that's her ministry for today. Don't you just love that? The little children can minister. She drew Jesus in the middle and the two, Moses and Elijah. And here are the three disciples at the bottom. Isn't that a lovely picture? Thank you, Karis. <laughs> so the, the account of the Mount of Transfiguration is written in the, in the Gospels of Matthew uh, Mark and Luke, and it's also mentioned in Second Peter chapter 1, and you can read it yourselves later. But I'm going to give you a quick synopsis of the whole story. Jesus had taken three disciples with him up to this mountain, Peter, James, and John. And it must have been quite a taxing climb, because in one of the Gospels, it says that when they reached the top, they fell asleep. However, they woke up suddenly and saw with wonder that Jesus had gone through a divine transformation. His face was shining with heavenly glory, clear and bright as the sun, and his clothing had become white, dazzling, with supernatural light. His divine nature had become apparent. His eternal sonship was being displayed. Wow. And also two others appeared, Moses and Elijah, and they were conversing with Jesus, having a conversation. And in one of the Gospels, it reads that they were speaking to Jesus of his soon departure back to his Father's glory. We may ask the question, why were Moses and Elijah present? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Well, you see, Moses represented the law and Elijah the prophets. Jesus had come to fulfill the law and the prophets. Hallelujah. So it was significant that they were there also. And John says in his gospel, chapter 1, verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, today that you are the truth and grace has come to us. Hallelujah. So back to this metamorphic moment. 
I want to talk about Peter's reaction to this incredible event. On one hand, it's baffling, but yet so utterly human as to what Peter's instinct is and what he feels needs to be done. Let's view the scene again. Jesus is absolutely dazzling in eternal glory. The three disciples are witnessing this monumental happening. And Peter, instead of being totally overcome with awe and holiness of the moment, guess what? Starts to speak. In other words, he jumps into the moment with his own idea of what should be happening and says, Lord, it's good and delightful and auspicious that we are here. Maybe at that moment, you see, he is relishing the fact that only they three as disciples have been chosen to witness this moment. And then goes on to say, listen to this, if you wish, I will put up three sacred tents or booths. Uh, One here, one for you, One for Moses and one for Elijah. But he doesn't get any further than that. He doesn't get to say anything else because while he is still speaking, a bright cloud comes and overshadows them. And in fact, that cloud totally engulfs them. And out of the cloud, a voice says, listen to this, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and delighted. Then says, listen to him. And I believe those last three words, listen to him, were very emphatic. Listen to him. Wow. Now the three are terrified, the three disciples, and they fall on their faces. The father has spoken. Listen to him. I'm thinking, Peter, it's high time you got out of the way. Yeah. Here is something we can apply to our lives today. See, if we are forever talking, we can't be listening. If we are forever wanting to jump in and do something, especially when there's a divine moment going on, is it possible that we're in the way of what Holy Spirit is doing and saying? To listen and see what the Son is doing, I have to be quiet. I have to be discerning. There are times when we must deliberately get out of the way. I'm training myself to be quieter in these days. Listen, it's not an easy task because I'm rather a chatty person, as most of you know. However, this is essential so I can hear what he is saying and see what he is doing. A big part of abiding in him is being quiet long enough to listen. There are so many times when I need to get out of the way, silence my words, silence my thoughts, silence the need to jump in and try to do something that I think will make a holy moment even more holy and better. And instead, be quiet, get out of the way, and give him precedence and listen to him. Going on, though, as we keep viewing the scene, something beautiful happens. Remember now, they're on their faces, scared out of their wits right now. However, Jesus goes to them in his shining glory and says, get up and do not be afraid. They look up. And what do they see? Jesus only. I want that to sink into our spirits this morning. They saw Jesus only. 
Let's ask ourselves this question today. Are we together here this morning seeing Jesus only? Are our eyes filled with a wonder of who he is? Did our hearts stir within us as we worshipped him today? Were we more taken up with him and seeing only him? Or were we more concerned with other things going on around us? Have human English words failed us as we behold him today? What a wonderful place to be if this is the case. See, it's possible that even in our minds, our inner dialogue is crowding out the glory of who he is. Listen, we all have crowded thoughts going on. So many times we find it impossible to see Jesus only. So when I feel those swirling thoughts, like I know you do too, I've discovered something that works for me. I stop and put my hand on my head and rebuke those crowded thoughts, those thoughts that won't get out of the way. And I say, thoughts, peace be still. I want to see and hear Jesus only. Thoughts about what's been going on. Thoughts about what I have to do when I leave here today. They run on and on and on and on, just like the ever-ready uh, ever bunny battery. You know what I'm talking about, right? Everyone knows that. We all go through that. It's human. However, when our thoughts are taken up with him, he takes care of our business and all of our concerns. He wants to captivate our thoughts. He wants to make a bold entry into our thought life. Have you ever thought of that? In fact, make our thoughts align with his will for us, which is the perfect will of God. Will we let him? Yes, I believe we will. The word of God says we have the mind of Christ. So yes, we have his mind, but we just need to put his mind in us into operation. We need to practice it, make it our lifestyle. Let's be alert to this fact today. It's not an automatic thing. We have to practice that. Lord, I want to climb this mountain with you and hear what you have to say to me today. Trust me, if we allow him to be Lord of our thoughts, we will be astonished as to what he has to say to us. Yes, it will take our breath away. Have you ever had the Lord say something to you and you feel like your breath is, you've, it's taking your breath away? I want to have that more and more, don't you? So back to Peter. What made him think that he had to contribute to this holy event, to this glorious moment? First, here's a fact. We probably all would have done the same thing. It's human. There's something in us, as I said earlier, that needs to put our own words into any amazing God moment. It was high time for Peter to get out of the way instead of endeavoring to redesign the whole scene by managing a construction project. The real problem was, though, that by saying what he did, he was placing Jesus on the same level as Moses and Elijah. Just imagine that. These two men, as, as amazing as they were, were not in any way equal in any sense to Jesus, the Son of God. Look, Jesus didn't need any tabernacle or tent to be built for him. His human flesh is the tabernacle. Remember, he said to the crowd, tear down this temple or tabernacle, same word, and I will raise it up again in three days. Speaking of his own body and resurrection, and get this, his habitation is now in us. <laughs> 
We are his dwelling place. He wants to live permanently in us. And by the way, he's not happy with just a casual visit from time to time. He wants to rest and remain in us. Can you say amen? The entire account of Jesus' transfiguration is beyond words wonderful. The very fact that these three disciples were given the opportunity to witness this event showcases to us that even now in our time as his people, we're also able to experience him. I'm getting a real witness in my spirit in these days, and I know many others are also, that we and even people not yet in the kingdom are going to have a fresh new unveiling of Jesus coming to them and coming to us. I so believe this. A lady here in this house was telling me just the other day, a week ago, that she had been telling some of her relatives to ask Jesus to show up to them, to ask for his presence to come to them just before they fell asleep at night because they had been telling her that they needed some peace and reassurance because their thoughts were in turmoil. Hmm. They knew him, but only in a historic and maybe religious way. They didn't have an intimate knowledge of him. So the amazing thing is that they took her advice and applied it. Now they're already testifying that they are actually seeing and hearing Jesus talk to them at night. <laughs> I think it's just so wonderful. And they, uh, while they're resting at night, they're experiencing a bright light and a peace like they've never had before. They say he is telling them that he loves them. He's appearing to them. They've never had that experience before. They are repeating to her what they're seeing, and it's become wonderfully overwhelming to them. Now, instead of our lovely lady here saying, well, look, I know Jesus well, maybe a bit better than you do. So don't worry. I'll pray you get peace at night. No, she put the onus on them to ask and show up. He did. She got out of the way. We're getting it, right? I think I can prophesy to you today that there's going to be a whole myriad of folk that are not even in the kingdom yet going to have visitations from the Lord. <laughs> and he's going to show up as Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. We sang that this morning. They will get a fresh understanding that there is no other way but through Jesus, only Jesus. Many miracles will be taking place as people all across the globe will have visions and visitations of Jesus. Let's believe this today because I know this is going to happen. Amen. So for many today here in this building and those who are on live stream, if you have loved ones not yet in the kingdom but whom you have been praying for, be encouraged. He's going to show up to them. Let's believe together that they're going to have a visitation from Jesus. Believe me, things will change rapidly after that. Let's get excited. Let's get full of anticipation. <laughs> Hallelujah. He is at hand. <laughs> I love it. I want to talk a bit of what happened next. Jesus and the three have come down from that glorious mountain to witness some of the other disciples now endeavoring to cast out a demon from a young boy to no avail. The demon is not budging. The father of the young man approaches Jesus and begs for him to heal him, say, uh, saying that the disciples, they've tried, 
and it sounds like they've been trying for a long time, but they're not able to do anything. Jesus makes a strong statement, and this is what he says. You unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? Then says, bring him here to me. He rebukes the demon, and the boy was healed at once. Now, privately, the disciples asked Jesus afterwards why they couldn't cast out this demon. And Jesus says this, because of your little faith in the power of God. Notice he doesn't say, because of your little faith. He says, because of your little faith in the power of God. We can have faith in faith, but that's not good enough. It's not going to achieve anything. I want to say this morning, we have to have faith in the power of God. Our prayer meetings in the last few weeks since we've been able to start to meet together again have been prayer focused on the fact of declaring people who are sick in this house to be made healthy and whole. And actually, we're going to continue that. Free from disease, infirmity, or any demonic oppression. So we can indeed be a witness to the world around us of what it means to live abundant lives. We have come to certain conclusions as we've prayed, and the Holy Spirit has shown us that we have, we have, been, uh, we have been so programmed, if you like, by what goes on around us. Would you agree? In the world, on the news, don't you? Uh, Pastor Joel was saying last week, doesn't even watch the news anymore. People's opinions, etc. That unbelief in the power of God is at an all-time low level. We can still say, I have faith, but the faith in the power of God, what he can do, I believe that's an, at an all-time low level. Not, not just in us, but I mean, I'm talking about the church in general. What happens is that we use our own human reasoning and our own senses instead of relying on the power of God, which, by the way, has been given to us who believe. Do you believe? Do you believe that inside of you that you are carrying now the power of Almighty God? Jesus has given us the authority. Do you believe in the power of God that is even within you at this very moment? Wow. It's time to put our hope and trust fully in the name above all names, Jesus. We don't want to be, as Jesus said, an unbelieving generation. We discussed also that he has given us the authority of his name. We are to use his name in all situations. Remember, we have the legal authority to use his name because we've been adopted as sons. Before he ascended back to the Father, he gave them authority to do some pretty amazing things like what heal the sick raise the dead cast out demons pretty amazing things we need to get more used to using the name of Jesus because all power is in that name the name of Jesus there's power there's power there's power in the name of Jesus hallelujah we don't have to pray long, tedious, begging prayers. Jesus didn't. He just spoke the word, be healed in the name of Jesus. And they were. He cured them all, it says. He rebuked the demons and they came out. They did not hang around. They came out. Come on. 
Matthew doesn't mention this, but some of the other gospels say that Jesus also said this kind doesn't come out unless there's prayer and fasting. Some theologians say that that phrase actually wasn't in the original text. However, listen, fasting is good. It's a good practice. But you know what? Fasting isn't only about food. I'm really seeing another fast that needs to be operating in the body of Christ these days. And it's fasting from all kinds of hindering things. Things that keep us back from entering into his full victory. The deeds of the flesh that make us, I believe, less able to be involved in the works of the Holy Spirit. Over ourselves first, let alone over others. How about fasting anger? How about fasting criticism? How about fasting negativity? How about fasting judging others? Those things that foster bitterness and unforgiveness. Let me say that this kind of fasting will break the yoke of bondage. No point trying to break a yoke off others if that same yoke is in us. Chapter 58 of Isaiah describes what fasting is all about. I suggest we read that this week. He's calling his church to holiness. Nothing between me and you, Lord. That's my cry today. My flesh is always trying to compete against the Spirit. And I need to push it down, push it down, push it down continually. Choosing to fast these negatives so the glory of God can be seen in us. It's imperative, my friends. It's absolutely imperative. And I might even say that this kind of fast lasts for a lifetime, not just for 40 days or a week or whatever. Now, I think we can really identify with these disciples who felt despondent, sore that they couldn't deliver this boy. I believe there's a growing cry in our hearts in these days to get to do the stuff that's in the new, that we read about in the New Testament. I feel it's time for this to change. I believe we must come to the place where we truly believe and absolutely trust and have faith in the power of God. Trust in his power, even more than we trust sometimes in, listen, doctors. Come on. Yes, we thank God for science. I'm personally thanking the Lord that there's a vaccine for this plague that we're living through. For the, for the last year. I'm looking forward to getting mine. You know, I believe God has given scientists the brains to research and come up with an answer. I believe that. However, our dependence cannot be on science alone. I was reading Isaiah 53 again this week. It starts off with this phrase. Oh, it's just incredible, especially in the Amplified. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm and infinite power of the Lord been revealed. The whole chapter is about the coming of the Messiah and the power of the cross. It speaks of healing, of deliverance from all sin and says magnificently this, it's by his stripes, his wounds, we are healed spiritually and physically. Oh, hallelujah. We are being called to be in intimate communion with him. Out of that communion, out of that knowing him, out of that absolute belief in his power, I believe we will experience unimaginable acts of the Holy Spirit. Happenings that will take our breath away. There's a saying that some people quote so glibly. That person over there is so heavenly minded that they are of no earthly good. Have you ever heard that statement? If ever there was a statement that was so wrong, it's that one. We cannot do any earthly good unless we are connected to him, the vine. Unless we are abiding in him. 
unless we know and have tasted of his heavenly riches, mountaintop experience like this one that we've been talking about this morning are only wonderful if we take the wealth of that experience down into the deepest valley where there are so many people crying out for help and relief, just like the father and son in this story who were so desperate. And friends, we have what they need because of Jesus, the son who lives in us. We take of the wealth of that one, those wonderful visitations that we have, that we get, and we take them. We don't keep them to ourselves. We take them out into the world. Come on, you've got to say amen to that. I think I can speak for so many here and for those who are also online today. This is our heart's desire. This is what we live for. We are coming into a strong understanding that we are indeed preparers of the way. We take him with us into situations. We then get out of the way and allow him who is dwelling in us loose. We allow him and we let him loose into situations. May we be heavenly people working in partnership with him, able then to bring his power and his glory to this earth. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? We're going to pray together. I'm going to pray a prayer of saying yes to Jesus. Will you agree with me in prayer this morning? Lord, right now, at this moment, we ascribe greatness to you, our God, the rock. Your work is perfect, and all your ways are just. We are coming into a realization in this hour. In fact, it's very clear to us that you are calling us into a yet deeper relationship, one where we see you in your glory, maybe as never before. That place in you isn't just to make us feel good and to keep to ourselves. It's for taking and bringing your power, your glory to this earth, to this ground where we are living on right now. We simply say to you this morning, yes, Lord. Can we say that together? Yes, Lord. Let's say it again. Yes, Lord. We are willing and in faith in the power of God, we say we will take the ground that you have given us. In fact, we will occupy that ground and take it for you. When we need to, we will willingly get out of the way and allow you to be the senior partner. We declare today that you will be glorified on earth and you will use your glorious church to bring this about. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. While you remain standing. I also feel the Holy Spirit is saying that he wants to heal the sick this morning. I agree with Pastor Joel. He wants to break the yoke of captivity off. So whether you're in this building or watching online, raise your hands right now and just take your healing now at this moment. Whatever you are in need of, the name of Jesus has all authority and his name has been given to his church to use. So in the matchless powerful, glorious name of Jesus. Be healed in your body right now. Be delivered from every satanic bondage and oppression right now. To the glory of God, we declare it. Amen and amen. If you're online and raised your hands and took your healing, 
You can let us know by going to Elam online. We want to celebrate with you. And those who have been healed this morning, you tell us because we want to celebrate with you too. Let's worship him again this morning for a few minutes before we leave the building. You are blessed. You are loved. Go out and minister in the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.